In today's guide episode, I am bringing on therapist and spiritual worker, Chris Hancock. He is self-described as promiscuous when it comes to spirituality and psychology. And when you listen to this episode, you will understand. I experienced something with him that he created and coined as a subconscious heal and release session. We're going to hear Chris's story, learn how his dark night of the soul got him to where he is today, how he's helping people, my experience with him, and how you can work with him if you'd like to. Either way, this is going to open your eyes to some really cool alternative therapies. Enjoy. Welcome to the Create Beautifully podcast, where the potential in me honors the potential in you. If you're wondering if you can really change and truly find and live your purpose, then I invite you to let me be your accountability partner and for you to be mine. And together, we can explore with curiosity and humor what it is to create beautifully in every area of our lives and to take action to make that happen. Chris Hancock. Hi. Hello, Liza. I am really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, there are a handful of people when I was conceptualizing this that I was like, these are the people who come to my brain immediately for some guests and guides on the podcast, and you are one of them. So Thank you. you are awesome. on yeah, I'm very excited. So you're mm -hmm. on a you're on as mainly a guide. So what a guide is. So I've guessed I've guessed episodes, guide episodes, and then just me by myself episodes. So mm -hmm. guides, guides are people who are really helping others walk the path of healing, walk mm. the path of to get to their truest self, to uncover what they need to cover, shed what they need to shed. And that is definitely you. Now there's going to be a lot of the podcast. I'm sure that's a lot of your story because guides don't get to where they are without a bit of a story. <laughs> I don't think guides walk easily into that, Ooh. into that role. Yeah. Um, right. And then uh, also a lot of the guides that I'm asking on at least for a while until I run out of them are people that I've worked with and mm -hmm. have had, you know, some type of experience with. So, so the episode yeah. will be a lot of your story, how you okay. got to where you are and then also what you offer to people. And then somewhere yeah. in there, I will like to share my experience that I had as well, because I, I really want people, I'd like to open people's minds to the fact that there's there are more things out there than what they think are out there, whether they just think it's meditation, yeah. talk therapy, um, even, yeah. you know, even if they're opening their minds to somatic experiencing or EMDR, like even if they know some of those, that there's really some a lot of really different modalities that can really help us. And so you've added some really cool, some really wild mm. things. So I want to let you share your story, share what you offer. And then I want to share what my experiences was and what I got out of it, hopefully to encourage people to, sure. you know, work with you or look for something similar, you know? Mm -hmm. Cool. All can right. I, Liza, can I, Offer a little anecdote for your listeners about you first. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, this is the only thing I have planned to say today. This is it. Okay. It's about you, not me. But I just think your listeners would appreciate knowing that. Um, so, so we met when I found you randomly to do some photography 
for my family. Yes. Yeah. As a family photographer, that's how we met. Right. And that happened to land at just a precarious time for a whole bunch of reasons that aren't important to get into personally and my family. But I will, and I've told you this before, I will never forget the day that I had to call you to cancel it because I was in a really bad way. There was no way we could have gone through with, with the shoot. And you were just instantly just nothing but a ball of compassion. And that made a bigger difference than you'll ever know. And that's what I think of when I think of you. And that's always what I will think of when I think of you. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) You're gonna make me cry. (laughs) I just want your listeners to to know that. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you for that, that day. That is what the doctor ordered on that particular day. And then we were able to reschedule it and we did it sometime later and it was great. We still have those photos and the rest is history. Yeah. So we had a, yeah. So I guess a quick background. So we met like that and then we had a family shoot and then I knew that you were a therapist. And so in my searching of like, oh my gosh, I'm in my early forties. I suddenly realized that I don't have anything. Like I don't have training. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and I come up with ideas, but I was like, I don't have, I've never really gone deep on anything and kind Mm. of thinking like, should I get my master's degree in psychology or philosophy or something wild? And I called you and I was like, would you be willing to just sit and talk to me about like what you know about, you know, getting master's degrees (laughs) in things regarding, you know, the brain and human uh, human behavior and and things like that, and yeah. we sat on your front really, porch for a while. Yeah, yeah. The bulk of that whole conversation to me really centered around traditional versus non traditional pathways to get wherever it is what we feel like we're being called to go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, back when I went yeah. to grad school, late nineties or whatever, there wasn't you know the the internet of things that there is today there wasn't so much awareness about how to go more outside the box or non-traditional um uh, uh routes to get to wherever we're wanting to do or be or become or create but now there are and so in a way that's that's makes it more difficult to have yeah. too many choices right but i mean there are some things that like if you want to be a licensed clinician you really don't have much choice but to take the traditional route like right. I did. But, you know, this whole field of just healers and coaches and quasi-therapists. I mean, there's right. there's everything and everything represented out there. So, you know, so that, yeah. that to me, that's what made that an interesting conversation to just try to think about all possibilities and how would that apply to you at stage of life, being a, a mom and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. And and I think one of the things, and especially as we get into more of kind of your journey and your story, one of the things that I love about it so much is that you do you do have a very traditional therapist background. You know, I feel like so many people nowadays just jump into, I'm going to be a coach. I want a coach. I had an awakening and I want to be a coach. And mm-hmm. and yeah. um, some of that is great if you happen to land on someone who is ethical yeah. or, or learns about ethics or learns about trauma coaching, but some of it can be very damaging. Um, I've experienced yeah. some of the, of the 
damage that that can do. And so yeah. I just love that you've got this kind of non-traditional piece that's built on a really solid foundation of yeah. ethics and education. You know? Yeah, me too. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade it. Um, yeah. But again, back then there weren't really many other options. There were some right. schools out there that were a little more creative or artsy in their approach to health or healing or whatnot. But they were, to me at the time, so out there that they didn't really seem like an option. So I kind of went the traditional route and right. and then eventually found my way, you know, outside the proverbial and literal box as a result of a whole lot of things, you know. But but yeah, no, I would I wouldn't trade it because it gave me an incredible foundation. Yeah. Yeah. That I still draw on in in just more sort of intuitive ways that not really yeah. such practical ways anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So during yeah. our conversation, you shared a book with me that you were reading about shamanism. And oh, yeah. And you were talking to me and you were like, so my life since I last saw you, which was several years, I'm not sure the exact year that we yeah. did our photo shoot, but it's been a couple, it's been a few years. Yeah. 2018 or 19 something. In yeah. Yeah. And, and you just said, oh my gosh, my life has changed and I've had this dark night of the soul and this hero's journey and this divine awakening. And I've started adding all these things and. Um, yeah. We'll get into details later, but you said I I've started to do this thing called a subconscious heal and release session, and I being me was like, oh, what is this? This sounds Ooh. wild. <laughs> and so you you know you told me about it. Well, and we'll get into your story and we'll get into the specifics of this. But again, yeah. me being me, just wanting to just try stuff. As I say on my podcast, the only thing that I'm that's out of my realm right now is like psychedelics, you know, or. Ooh. It's, you know, more, yes, more specific right. plant plant medicine, if you will. Um, but mm -hmm. other than that, I'm kind of like, you know, if I trust the source, I'll, I'll try it. Right. So I was like, let's try it. I've actually been thinking, I'm like, I should go back to Chris for like another uh, one-off. Like, you know, but, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was wild. It was wild. So we'll get to that in a bit. So okay. why don't you just, why don't you just share your story? Whatever, whatever you feel is kind of coming yeah. up for you. Okay. Well, gosh, I mean, I've told it so many times now uh, on podcasts so and otherwise. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I'm going to just try to be economical and, and, yeah. and condense it, you know, but. Here's the um, thing too, that I'll probably stop you just so you know, some, yeah. because you said you've told it a lot on other podcasts. So I'm immediately like, well, this one has to be different. <laughs> We've got to make this <laughs> special somehow. Um, one of the things that I tend to pause about, so if I occasionally pause you, is, yeah. is kind of when you make decisions and how you knew that something was the right decision or something was the wrong decision. Um, because mm. a lot of the Create Beautifully podcast is really about how can we trust what lights us up? How can we trust when we get that feeling inside where our whole body tingles and we know it's the right answer? Yeah. And, and not only how can we trust it, but how do we have the bravery to say yes to it? Right. Okay. So let me jump off on that then. Yeah. So I guess at baseline, I would say going back to high school, I've, I've always had some kind of connection to that intuition or that soul pull or call. 
-hmm. not that I always listened to it or listened Mm -hmm. closely or really followed it, but it was always there. So I was always a seeker and a questioner and that was not discouraged. It could have been more encouraged, but it wasn't discouraged. Okay. Um, So that helped it to grow. So, you know, I was a troubled kid in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. Bumpy starts trying to get going in college. Eventually did. um, Did a degree in English, which I really enjoyed. Um, But Mm -hmm. my real interest was music, you know, from high school on or even earlier than that. So after high school, after college, rather, um, I gave music professionally a go with old friends from home and, and it, it kind of worked, you know, we had some success for a while, but what's important about it is that, well, for one, despite all the, the, the bumpiness of it and the eventual crash and burn of it, no regrets. Mm-hmm. I would never change that either. It was incredible. Yeah. So what did experience. you do? Did you play an instrument? Were you the singer? Yeah, yeah. Did you? I played uh-huh. drums. I played drums in a rock band. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, we had a record deal for a minute, and did mm. a bunch of touring and all that. But so somewhere around, I don't know, 96-ish, I mean, I had already gone through a pretty significant depressive episode mm. sparked by a breakup that mm. already had me do a stint of therapy before that. And that mm-hmm. was at a time where that was not talked about. I was incredibly ashamed of it. I kept it quiet. But I did it, and it planted a seed. So around 95-ish, 96, when I really started to feel a soul pull, a call, that like, this is not where it's at for me forever. There's more I'm here to do. And I think I always knew that. I just didn't know what. And and I was very preoccupied with my my passion for for music. So... um, it eventually just reached a point where I knew I had to get out of that life. So I did and went back into therapy and that's where, so getting back into therapy that second time really watered that seed that was planted the first time Mm. and awakened me to the realization that, Oh, something like this being a helping professional, or in the healing world of some sort, that's what is lighting me up. That's what's mm. been calling me. So long story short, that therapist at the time, who is still my longtime mentor and therapist today, um, wow. helped me discern kind of like you and I did that day. We just mm-hmm. tried to discern what route might you go, traditionally, non-traditional, whatever. Um, he greatly helped me to zero in largely on what my values were at the time. Mm. And my values at the time most clearly aligned with clinical social work and that pathway mm-hmm. into the mental health or helping profession. So that's what I did. And I went to NYU and it was an incredible experience. I didn't want it to end. It was so good. Oh, wow. It was right timing for me. Like any sooner I would not have been ready and mm-hmm. waiting any longer would have been an unnecessary delay. So mm-hmm. it was an incredibly rich experience mm. intellectually and otherwise. I continued my own personal therapy work throughout it. And, so I have a question. Um, I have yeah. a quick question. So when so mm-hmm. so we t- so you talked about you just knew there was this knowing of this isn't for me, and then you know you said you just left the music. Yeah. I left the business of music. You left the business way. of, okay. You left the business of music. Yeah. When you left the business of music, was it 
a blind mm-hmm. jump in faith? Or did um, you have something kind yeah. of to go to? No, I didn't really know where I was going. I only knew I can't keep doing this for a whole yeah. variety of reasons. Com- yeah. com- complex. It was a complex picture, but it, the bottom line was I'm, I'm not, I'm not to keep doing this and I don't know where I'm going, but I just knew there was something more. There was something else for me and I had yeah. to figure it out and follow it. So I needed help yeah. with that and I got it. And so that's how, that's how that happened. I mean, kind of just like through college, making the decision, I'm not going to go get a job. I'm going to go, well, work stupid jobs to be able to support just playing music. That's what I'm going to do. I, there's no guarantee. I don't know where that's going to go. Right. All going to fall on our faces. Who knows? But I got to try. Have to. Yeah. So it was kind of the same thing a little later in life. I just had to follow it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay, yeah. so so you're through NYU. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm working in the field and I had some great internship experiences and then um a door opened for me to come south, which I had always wanted to do. It's in my blood. Mm-hmm. My father's from deep south, Georgia. And even from my days doing music, we toured a lot down south in the in the early mid nineties. And I, I just every time we would come down here, I'd be like, This is home. You know, yeah. in general. So um so a door opened to come here from a friend of mine, which involved a little bit of music, and that felt right. So I said to myself while I was sitting at my job in Manhattan, if if it comes together quickly and easily for me to get a new job, like in community mental health, basically, in Nashville, then I'm, then I'm going to take that as a sign. Mm. Within a week, I had an interview at Vanderbilt in the community mental health, child oh, wow. and adolescent psychiatry. And the rest is history. So I came, uh, 9-11 happening stalled it a bit, but mm. uh, but it didn't stop it. Um, I got the job and I came down here about a month after 9-11. And so now I think I can say I'm an honorary uh, Nashvilleian, right? Yeah. Having been here that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so funny that like sometimes early 2000s does not seem far away. I know. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, it's like 20, that's 22 years ago. I know. Yes. We're all becoming vintage, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anything yeah. 2000s or later, I'm like, that was like two years ago, right? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so I can continue if you want. Yeah. So, you know, from there, I more or less, um, more or less uh, uh, practiced in conventional ways, talk therapy. Yeah you know, totally pretty much inside the box, keeping a lot of my mm. long standing, again, going all the way back to high school, my seeking, my spiritual curiosity, metaphysical mindedness, open mindedness to the weird and the woo woo and all that. Mm-hmm. I pretty much kept it out of the box. The most I'd ever sort of bring in is just sort of a mind body, holistic awareness into my work with people. I guess it, you know, for the longest time, that's all I felt like was appropriate because I had concerns about building a practice, making a living, providing for my family. So there was fear involved, self-limitation involved, to put it lightly. And I guess I could fast forward. So I started working for myself in 2007. Well, so how, really, really quick, because I want to go forward, but I also want to ask about the box. So how aware were you of the things that you were consciously keeping out of the box? Um, always somewhat 
aware, low level aware. And yeah. it would become they, those awarenesses would spike periodically when I would just find myself spending spontaneously like an entire weekend just going down rabbit holes of the weird mm. and the the woo woo and the metaphysical and it would continue to remind me like you know there's something else that's calling me yeah here you know and yeah. I was always willing only willing to just dip in and dip out dip in and dip out yeah it's so interesting I I mean our obviously our our career paths are really different but I had similar stuff like when I was yeah. 11 have you ever heard the book many lives many masters oh yeah Brian yeah, I figured. Yeah, <laughs> I read that at eleven. Wow. Yeah. So, Dang. so for those who don't know, it's about reincarnation. It's about a therapist who uh, would do hypnotherapy, and then his therapist started ta- or his his patient started talking to him about personal things in his life, uh, and he started talking to these you know kind of spiritual masters that were explaining to him why his life um, is the way that it is and why yeah. certain things happen to him and. Uh, I was in, I grew up in Jersey, so I wasn't in, in the Bible belt, but I did, I did have to go to CCD. So like Catholic school on like Monday nights. And I asked about it in Catholic school. Uh (laughs) I was like, I'm reading this book about reincarnation. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I think there was just like, no, that is not what we believe. Like that was, I think that was it. But I, yeah. I, I, yeah. And I was younger when I was younger, I had like, yeah. my mom had a Ouija board. My mom gave me her palmistry book from like the seventies. Wow. Right. So it like, it's, it's like a lineage yeah. thing. Right. But then, yeah. yeah. And, and it was like, yeah. I, it was like in that zone I was into. It. And then we, we moved and I, you know, like you were just kind of like, I'm in the box and I'm going to do therapy appropriately. And I don't want to crash and burn my career. I had like, right. I don't want to crash and burn my social life. You know, I was we moved down here when I started high school and it just all went away for like, you know, yeah. a decade and a half, two decades, maybe. You yeah. Know? Wow. Funny. It's interesting. It is. You know, when you, br- you bring up my, my light is flickering here. Um, you bring up Catholicism, you know, I, I wear a mother Mary pendant. I have a Mary statue back here. Would I say mm. I'm Catholic? No, of course not. But yeah. Um, anyway, that's, Maybe we'll come back around to the universality theme. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love when people bring it all together. It's the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So I want to get back to your thing because I want to get into like when yeah. it all started to, to mix. Right. Yeah. Well, so I'll try to zoom us into the juicy part. So, um, you know, um, 2010-ish my wife and I began an adoption process and um, it was long and grueling as they usually are. And it took everything out of us, but we would do it all over again in a minute, of course. But in, in for a good part of that process, we were going, we were facing barriers that were really at times felt insurmountable. And I was very angry and very frustrated and very mm. stressed. The beginning of really like adrenal fatigue, kind of burnout starting to set in, you know, mm. taking that on on top of a practice and, and everything. So I was, I started meditating and praying a lot. Like I set up a whole room in our old house that was just dedicated to that. Mm. At that time, I was very, um, 
inclined to be uh, looking to the East and uh, to spiritual masters of the East and the divine feminine and Kriya yoga lineage and, and all of this kind of thing. So doing a lot of meditating in that sort of vein. And I had what I would look back now and say was my first spiritually transformative experience one day in meditation where I literally see received a transmission, a message. It's hard to say exactly how it was received. I didn't mm. hear it, but it was more than feeling it. It was mm. like a, it was like a, a mental transmission receiving of a, of a very loving and beautiful message mm. that felt like it was from the divine feminine itself, herself. Yeah. And a, river of tears and the end of the message was keep coming like keep showing up mm. and mm, ask, ask me if I did that though <laughs> did you do that I did really you keep did showing not. up I didn't yeah. I didn't so I look back and I see mm-hmm. you know there's this great old Milton Erickson hypnotherapist saying um which is that insight follows change far more often than the reverse, something Mm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I look back and I see now I understand why I didn't keep showing up. I wasn't ready. Mm. I wasn't ready as much as I thirsted for a spiritual connection and would get it in, in, you know, small bites or whatever. And that was a profound one. I allowed myself at the time to be sidetracked just by the goings on of the whole adoption process and my work and family. I think that's, huge. Like I think, and, and I think for people to hear that too, because I think we, we always assume that if we are on the path, it feels good and it feels divinely inspired. And, and if it doesn't feel like that, we think we're off the path. Mm -hmm. And, and it's tricky because I think, yes, we can be off of, off a path you know, we can be doing things that 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 are not led by our highest self, right? But yeah. is that part of our divine path? Probably. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, Hinduism would say yes. Yeah. There's no wrong path. Everything right. is yeah going to eventually lead you home. So yeah. So just it, literally just saying like do what you will, you know. Yeah. Do, do just, it how you have to do it. I just feel like there's a lot of permission around that too. Just I didn't do this thing because yeah. I wasn't ready. And so it that's not just about your your brain, your body not being ready. Like mm-hmm. somewhere in your path, it's like, to me, it's like you were designed not to be ready yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know, to make it simple, right? Timing is everything. And yeah. uh, I was being offered an opportunity. I was being thrown a, a br- nice breadcrumb there to say there's something more for you here. Yeah. Keep coming. Yeah. But I just didn't. So But I, you had that. Yeah. You had but you got to take that with you. You got oh, that yeah, got to yeah. be never forgot it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so um so anyway, so we continued on. The adoption eventually happened and then followed years of adjusting, you know, to having mm children for the first time, children from another country. And That's a fucking adjustment. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> children Definitely. children for the first time, no matter children. what your situation is. Exactly right. <laughs> I'll yeah. blow your world up. Yeah, no doubt. 
And uh, funny enough, it was somewhat predicted by someone that did a reading for us when we got married. Oh, wow. Who told us, basically, you, as far as children go, you will have two together right away. Mm. You know, whenever it's it's time. And we always thought, oh, we're going to have twins? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The logical but, thought. And we sort of forgot about that until it came occurred to us at some point after the adoption. We're like, do you remember what that lady said in that reading mm. about we're going to have two together? Yeah. So That's anyway, wild. so uh, I don't know. Let's fast forward then to about 2018, 19-ish. Um, I was already struggling, like, again, with the with just the fatigue, adrenal fatigue, mm. burnout. I, I usually describe it as a really insidious burnout. I just kept mm. not really paying attention to the signs, blood pressure problems, gut problems, just lethargy, mm. you know, attitude, feeling resentful. And I kept uh. trying to plug away at it in the usual sort of ways. And, but mostly just effectively ignoring it and plugging along, you know, and I look back on that period and I see that some part of that for me was like really being stuck in a little bit of a scarcity mindset and a puritanical sort of like just show up earlier and stay later. Uh, uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of approach, just slugging through it. This is what you have to mm-hmm. do, which is never what I would consciously espouse. But I look back and see that was, I had that in me. And it didn't do me many favors. So, you know, in terms of my work, that was also, these were years of being a generalist, right? Where I didn't have any particular specialty. I was just dealing with people and people problems and taking anyone and everyone that would come to me um, without really much thought about fit or whatever. I would leave that up to the client, whether they thought it was a good fit, but I would work with anyone and everyone. And Again, I don't know that I would change that because it led me to where I am and maybe that's the way it had to go. But on some level, it didn't do me many favors. It contributed to an an incredible burnout, which that's what really led to a kind of multifactorial breakdown. You know, Mm. it was it was a a little bit of temporary madness, a little bit of feeling Mm. like I'm losing my fucking mind here. Mm. And I don't think I'm fit to do anything. Mm. Um, But I, it was also clear to me and I knew this from my book knowledge and from my seeking and my spiritual awareness and, and knowledge that there was something, it wasn't just that this wasn't just like a midlife crisis. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 there was a little bit of that, but not in the typical kind of way with, a, you know, buying a red Corvette and, right. you know, having an affair and all that. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there, it was just a, a, a big, uh, a big animal with many moving parts. But what I did with it, essentially, the main thing was what I knew to do, what I've helped other people do when they've gone through similar, let's say, rites of passage or dark nights of the soul or, or breakdowns or whatever, unless, you know, if they're purely, purely psychiatric, that's you treat that differently. But being what I, I knew this was and I'd seen it before, I just basically surrendered and kept surrendering every day, day and night, meditating, walking in the woods for as long as I could stand it. Yeah. Praying and meditating and surrendering. 
praying. Let's and talk about surrender. Yeah. You're saying, yeah. Credit to, yeah. So you're kind yeah. of talking about it, mm-hmm. but I literally just, and this is a little bit, it's a loaded selfish. word, right? It's a loaded fucking word because yeah. it's like, and I'm not going to lie. I've gotten a lot of that message personally lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my word okay. of the year is, yeah, my word of the year is stillness. Um, mm-hmm. And that came out of a meditation. Um, nice. and yes, it really feels like I'm always forward in forward momentum. I'm always forward. So it's really like, just yeah. be still. Yeah. And then, and yeah. I feel like surrender is under it and surrenders come up a lot. And I really, and I, and I, people always talk about, right. I feel like trust and surrender sometimes can get um, uh, thrown around yeah. together a little bit, or or people kind of take them similarly. You know, tr- it's yeah. like it's like, mm-hmm. what are we surrendering to, and mm. how do we do it? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. to me, to me, part of it's like to me, part of surrendering is like, okay, so I'll just lay on my back on my floor until I am asked to get up and move like by a divine being. And that could be like 17 months from now. Do you know what I mean? Like that, I think that's like the ultimate vision of surrender to me. It's just like, I'm just going to lay here and you take care of it. But obviously that's not it. Yeah. And it's a weird dance because like certain things we can surrender, but we just have to also function for the people in our lives and for our lives. And so I don't know. So you just said surrender and you obviously did a sufficient job at surrendering. So, so just talk about whatever that experience was for you sure, or whatever sure. you want to share about surrender in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I really, I mean that in, in a, in a purely kind of um, metaphysical sense, mm-hmm. esoteric sense, mm-hmm. Eastern sense. I totally get that. It's got a lot of baggage for people, especially that came up in Bible belt in, you know, more kind of evangelical or hardline um, Christian churches or, or whatever. So I appreciate that. All I could say really is that how I mean it is, um, I mean, I do conceive of it in a faith context. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Makes sense. But um, what I, so let me try to just put a fine point on what do I mean by surrender and how did I do that? So to the question of how, yeah. It reminds me it reminds me of when people might say to me at times, How do I forgive my mother, or my husband, whatever? Mm. How, how do I do it? Just tell me how to do it and I'll do it. Which of course there's no answer to that except to me, it's well, let's start here. Are you willing? What's your immediate mm. answer? Don't overthink it. Usually it's not exactly. Right. <laughs> or or it's <laughs> I'd oh, like yes to and, be. Yeah, I'd like to be, or yes, but I would need mm. her or him to do this or mm. say this or responsibility. So, you know, we don't have to go off on all that, but I, I think there's a, a crossover here. How to surrender, mm. I think, also starts with willingness. Mm. And so to me, the willingness was there given what I was going through because I was lost. I knew there was nothing but a spiritual solution to what I was going through. There was no particular therapy, new therapist or a medication or, I mean, I wondered about all of that. I thought for a while there, I was convinced, Oh, I'm done with this career. I've got to chuck mm. it all. I can't. This, that's oh, what wow. this is all about. This is trying to tell me this is not what you're here to do anymore. And I had mm. fantasies of all sorts of other things. Thankfully I didn't, pursue any of them 
So, so the surrender really was in the context of just getting quiet, meditating, praying, mm. and simply so the knowing that there was only a spiritual solution to give me the clarity that I was after because I was so lost there in the depths of a darkness, of a dark night, if you want to apply that concept. I didn't know what was what. And so there was one thing I knew was I need clarity. I need to know what's what. Is my marriage over? The career over? What, what was it? And so I just kept surrendering to the divine, to the Christ consciousness, you know, any and all of it <laughs> that's, yeah. that's in, in the love and light and infinite intelligence spectrum. And basically my ask was, just show me a new way. Mm. Give me some clarity. What am mm. I experiencing? What do I need to know? Right? So that's what I mean at that stage for me. That's what surrender was. Continuing yeah. to make that ask and then sitting and just sitting, yeah. waiting and yeah. trying to, you know, ask parts of me that were on hyper alert and frightened to just keep stepping back let me be in self and wait and see what happens. So that's that. I can jump into where that <laughs> took me. Yeah. Where it yes. from there. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. Okay. I love, yeah. And I love everything. So again, I've said. talked yeah. about this before. And, but so here it is, you know, I bet big. So hearkening back to that message that I told you I received 10 years or more earlier or, or whatever um, that I felt, came right from the divine feminine. So I got two messages. One followed maybe a couple of weeks after the next in these sort of surrender experiments, if you will. Mm -hmm. The first was um, the, the world is waiting for you to come forth with all of who you are. Mm. Mm. That was a very clear message. Now, who did it come from? I don't know. Was it just my higher self? Was it a, a spirit guide? Was it something else? I don't really know. At the time, it didn't matter. I just knew that it wasn't me, per se. It wasn't just a mind thought. It wasn't. It just wasn't. I just knew that. So that was the beginning of a bigger breadcrumb about kind of what's going on here. Um, now... The second one, what was it? Oh, okay. So the second one, again, some weeks later, I'm, I'm meditating. By this time, I started to notice a phenomenon of involuntary body movement during my meditations, mm. which is not uncommon. You don't hear about it much in, in the West, except maybe in particular niche, maybe sort of kundalini yoga, mm -hmm. you know, meditative practice type traditions. But it was, it started with just head movement. My head would start doing this, like the infinity symbol, the figure mm -hmm. eight. And once that started, it's never stopped and it continues. Mm. And I think that is with me forever. And so not long after that started and where I just was going with it, I was just very curious about what that was. Yeah. It I didn't scare you. Was it weird? Were you just like, oh it my gosh. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> It was weird, but I already knew that that higher energies are with me. I'm being supported in yes. this because I'm putting in the time. 
I have faith. I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm humbling myself. I'm saying I, I know nothing and I can't do this alone. I need guidance. I need clarity. Show me a new way. Mm-hmm. So not long after the head movement thing started, I got another transmission, I guess you could call it, which was you are being given the gift of holy discernment. Mm. And again, wow. I didn't know I didn't know who was delivering that, but I knew that wasn't also me because I've never heard those two words together and I don't even know what that means, right? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. I still don't really know that I know because none of this has come with a manual. There's no instruction right. booklet to all of this that started and what's followed since. Um, but that message was clear as a bell. And what, what I then began some weeks or months later to realize, and this is where I started to Okay, so you remember you brought up the subconscious heal and release energy psychology process that that we did. Yeah. So this was so in answer to the show me a new way ask, the first clear sign was one day I went to my office, pulled up my laptop, and all of a sudden this banner ad pops up that had the Michelangelo painting of the two yes. fingers. And it just said, ask and receive. And I just sat there looking at it. And God I was uses like, the internet. <laughs> yeah, really. Yes. yes, God is. God knows how to make banner ads. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So of course like, he does. What is that? I just clicked on it without thinking, and what oh, it amazing. was was a relatively new energy psychology method based on the power of the spoken word and using muscle testing. And I was just instantly intrigued. So much so that after reading the basic description, I just bought the I just bought the training. It was the oh, first awesome. training. Of it. I just did it, yeah. and a couple weeks later, the first online training. Within five minutes, I was like, "This was a direct answer to my show me a new way." Mm-hmm. That was the first concrete, tangible mm. new way. So anyway, so as I'm learning mm. this method called ask and receive which, you know, resonated with me just uh, for all the right reasons and all the right ways, going back to all my kind of metaphysical, spiritual leanings and whatnot, studies. And so as I'm learning and trying to perfect this method, which is using different forms of of kinesiological muscle testing to use the wisdom of the body to get yes and no, strong Mm -hmm. or weak, that kind of thing. Um, which is, that's been around forever. That's nothing new. I started to notice while I'm using these form, different forms of muscle testing, I started noticing that while I'm doing this with people, all of a sudden, similar to the infinity circle um, symbol head movement, all of a sudden, my head starts giving me nods of yes, strong, or no, weak. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's a, Luke, that's weird. I must be just doing that. Or, But it continued and it got stronger to the point where I just started using that and let go the other traditional forms of muscle testing. So what I eventually realized was, oh, that's the gift of, or at least one form of a, the, you're being given a gift of holy discernment. Because mm. what is this? It's yeah. a discernment tool. Mm-hmm. 
It's truth from falsehood, strong from weak. What is good for us? What's not good for us? That's all yeah. it is. And it's with, and it's with me permanently now. All I have to do is think of something or ask a question, and it's right there. Um, again, there's no instruction manual. There's there's things that I think I've determined it's not appropriate to use it for, mm. but there are many things that it is, and I'm still in my process of fine tuning that. Um, and so, I guess I'll leave that there. But it does get even more interesting in my journey from that point forward because yeah. there's a lot more to where this whole phenomenon would eventually take me and still is taking me. And that is, I'll just put it simply, like I've continued to sit and meditate almost every day and show up for this work. And what I've realized is that I'm in an initiation. This was an initiate spiritual initiation calling um, on the in some esoteric circles. It, it might be referred to being a cella, a student on the esoteric spiritual path. Mm. And I've connected in that process of meditating and, and being initiated with all sorts of guides and masters and mystics and sages and saints. And I've gotten to know my personal spirit guides, my own ministering or guardian angel. And so I cool. think that ultimately I'm being prepared to become a channel, like a conscious trance channel, a verbal channel of higher sources. Now that hasn't That's actually happened yet. And yeah. I could be wrong about that. But every time I ever, <laughs> Does every your head time tell I you ask, that you're, <laughs> you get a yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time I ask, is that where this is going? It's always yeah. a yes. I'll, so I'll ask about other things and it's a no or a yes. Mm. But that's always a yes. So I think in a, I'm kind of in a long game preparation, you know, for that. And I, I could say a lot more about all of it, but I'll I'll just let I'll okay. shut up here. <laughs> okay, I have one question, and then yeah. and then if it uh, you tell me, it feels like it'd be a good mm-hmm. time to talk about the the like my experience with your yeah, sure. uh, subconscious. Okay, but yeah, the first question. But first, I want to ask a question. So with the like your your holy discernment do you feel like it's harder to surrender because you can access kind of answers um no no mm-hmm. no i mean again like i said there's no there's no instruction book so uh, i'm just trying to, i'm figuring it out as i go but no yeah. because i feel like you know as they might say down south my prayer was answered because I feel like my prayer was answered, that mm. I was shown a new way and I was helped to, to discern what was from what was not going on with me. Mm. I was helped to see that because I didn't answer the, 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 the earlier breadcrumbs that were thrown on my path, I had to kind of be brought to my literal knees. I had to, I had to be brought into a kind of a breakdown to put a stop to everything to give me a clean slate to realize there's only one way to go and that's up mm-hmm. you know like uh like the saint francis of assisi quote go within or go without it was time mm-hmm. to really go completely within and 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 go up you know to yeah. get clarity and the and the direction that i was seeking so I am so committed to continuing whatever this process is that, 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 that if you want to call that continuous surrender, that's what I'm doing. And I will do that till my last breath. Yeah. Oh, no I doubt. 
Yeah. Okay. So I want to share just for anyone who's kind of like, either this sounds really cool. How do I try something like the, you know, how do I, how do I try this? Or I don't know, this is, he's just nodding. Like this sounds crazy, you know, whatever it is. Um, I had a really wild experience doing that, doing this subconscious heal and release session with you. You know, which which let me just say quickly, Liza. Yeah, go. Yeah. That that is just a name that I've given to a process that I developed, not even with intention. I was just doing that ask and receive method. Yeah. But then I kept feeling um, led to other similar processes Mm. and being sort of instructed to take this from that one, take this part from this and create this kind of a gumbo of a process that eventually I was making it so much my own. I felt like I just had to give it a name and that's what I named it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's that it's, it feels accurate for what I experienced. (laughs) I'll say that. Yeah. So we Mm -hmm. sat down and, and you basically just kind of asked me what felt stuck, right. Or what I wanted to work on, what felt. What you wanted to, what you felt like you weren't aligned with that you wanted to be aligned with. Yeah. And I really talked a lot about consistency, which is, which is funny because in the, uh, in the um, trailer for this podcast, I talk about one of the things that I'm really working to heal is consistency. And this podcast is actually uh, part of that. And um, an outgrowth yeah, of I, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Of just being like, yes, the, um, my goal is 42 episodes this year. And I just released my eighth episode. I have a couple in the nice. bank already. Yeah. So, and I, I swear, I'm like, you know, I feel like this subconscious heal and release started to kick it off. We And we did this, I have the date. We did this uh, July 2nd was when we met. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. so it's been what, nine months ish since then. So you were kind of like, what do you want to work on? I was like, well, I'd love, I really want to feel like I'm following my path. Like I'd like to feel divinely guided, right? Which is kind of that surrender question. How do we do that? How do we follow? What is, what is meant for us? Um, and, uh, I can be very indecisive. And so I was like, I want to make, I want to be able to make decisions that feel empowered and to know that even if I make the quote unquote wrong decision, I can fix it later or or make a different choice later, that kind of thing. Instead of just there's an important link. There's an important link between how much we trust ourselves and Mm. the ability to decisive. <gasps> That's so good. Yeah. I mean, think about the, the yeah, high people in the world, right? One thing they all have in common is they make swift decisions. They don't That's labor. My husband. Yeah. 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 Because they fundamentally trust themselves and they tend to trust that, oh, if I screw it up, I'll learn from it and figure it out and keep going. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My, I always, I'm always like, how do you, my husband's always like, yeah, I just, I just make a decision. I move on. Like, I don't have time to, to sit in indecision. And if I need to fix it later, I'll fix it later. And I'm always like, Oh, it's very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we came up, we came up with a statement, right? This is part of what, this is part of the process. Um, and if there's any, if there's any, you know, proprietary part of this process that you would like to keep secret, just let me know. (laughs) Um, so together you kind of helped me form a statement and I, um, it needed to be, it couldn't be too short and it couldn't be too long and we had to say it and I have it 
I, I had pulled it up because I've actually since forgotten the exact statement, but I feel like it's, it's kind of created a lasting result. So our statement was, uh, I am divinely guided and make empowered and quick decisions applied with consistency, purpose, and creativity. Yeah. Cause, cause flowing into my creativity is something that I, I want to also grow. Right. Um, and then right. when you had emailed it to me, you added, I now know this to be true and all parts of me know it to, uh, know it to the very depths of my being. And so it is. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's what we call anchoring the anchoring yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And, and once, once you're aligned with the statement, meaning all parts of you are good with it. Right. So we, so we, use a must either a muscle testing or in my case I just use this inner guidance mechanism to like on a one to ten scale I have you say the statement and then I measure where are you on one to ten. I don't remember where you were initially, but you weren't ten of ten. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. There was in, my, in terms in of way. like my belief in it basically, right? right. Like how much did right. I believe this to be true? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. it's not about the math. That's just a gauge for how right. strong or weak are you on that goal, that statement. Mm-hmm. And then um you wanted to just describe sort of generally how it works from there? Yeah, sure. Okay, so once we get a measurement, like let's say you're weak on it, which would be somewhere under seven of ten. You're anywhere under seven, I'm going to get a no. Like, meaning most of Liza has trouble with the statement, then is like, rah, 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 go. So then we use the process to gauge three forms of blockage. So this is energetic, we're talking, right? So energetically speaking, we're looking for the imprints of any old trauma, which can be sort of little t or big t trauma. Big t is the big obvious things, right? car wrecks, losing someone suddenly, whatever. Things that anyone would agree was like, oh my God, that's traumatic. But more often than not, what's blocking us from what we really want to go forth with are more often the little T traumas, the things that, you know, maybe like a a teacher shamed us in third grade and we might remember it, but we never think about it and we think, oh, I got over that. Well, yeah, maybe consciously, but some part of us might be holding on to that you know, the imprint of that injury, that shame or whatever. That's literally so then, something that came up in my session with you was something. Is in, it, was it third grade? I think, no, wait, I think it was something in sixth grade. In for, Sorry, in first yeah. grade. In first grade. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. A, with, a peer. <laughs> with a peer, right? Something with another girl or something? Yeah. It, it? Yes. It, yeah, it was interesting because so, so yeah, so you're kind of saying, right, so we're going through this just, just so everyone can follow a little bit. So basically I'm just sitting cross-legged on your couch and in, in your like home office and you're sitting mm-hmm. in a chair and you're just repeating questions and, you know, kind of getting your intuitive hits and like your head is nodding or it is shaking. Right. And then, right. and right. you'll, you'll get something and you'll be, and you'll, you, you kind of go through your thing and you're like, I feel like it's around this age, like th- something, this age, something, this age. And, um, yeah. And then it's, it's interesting because there, yeah. What came up in that particular for that one was, yeah, it was like something in first grade where I was yeah. like, th- the one girl had gotten a compliment for her reading out loud ability. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, I am going to read out loud 
the best ever. And so I will also get complimented and I did not get complimented. And like, it's funny, it's like a memory that I've always remembered, but I've never attached any meaning to it. But, you know, when you brought it up, all of a sudden the stuff was stuck to it. And I was like, it's so interesting because I've always thought of it as, as a fairly innocuous memory as just kind of like, oh yeah, I just, I, you know, wanted some praise, you know, and wanted some attention. And then I really think we remember, I remembered it. Like my brain remembered it very consciously, not subconsciously. It didn't come out of my subconscious. It's been a memory that I've had for my whole life. And I think my brain remembered it because it was fucking pissed off about it. You know, like it still had some shit in there about it. It wasn't just like, oh, I have this random memory. I think it was like, I'm choosing to hold on to this memory in a conscious way. A part of you found it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, what's cool about this process is that it's not so much like my getting an intuition that, oh, I think it was something in first grade. It's, it's more precise than that. Like, yeah, that would be, that would be more an analog approach, just using sort of intuition, freestanding. This is more digital. It's like, again, it's yeses and nos. Yeah. So we, we got, okay, there is a trauma blocking this goal. Okay. Then I think what I do is I go, we want to get the age. So is it conception through birth? No. Birth through five? No. Five through 10. If I get a yes. Yes. Age five, age of cause, age six, age seven, there it is. And that's how we precisely identify what yeah. age was it? Then I want to know, unless you have a sense of, oh, I think it's this. Then I want to know what's the what's the domain of experience or the context of that trauma. Is it home and family life? Yes or no. Mm. Is it school? Yes or no. Is it right. extracurricular involvement? Yes or no. Eventually, we can usually get it. And then we can get right down to, was it a single specific event, experience, word, or action that left the trauma imprint or more of the global general mm. situation of how you felt at the time. And then once we can get it, what it is, then we apply the spoken word piece process, which is uh, maybe we won't get into all that, but it's about using the higher self that, that knows all, which of course is connected to the all that there yeah. is. So it's tapping into, you know, quantum field, cosmic consciousness, cross consciousness, whatever. Um, And using a a very specific group of sentences, which is all based on tapping that, which is founded on the idea that words can actually heal. Not any words, but the right words spoken Mm -hmm. in the right order for the right reason, with the right intention, in a context that feels safe, it can kind of move mountains. And it can, in this case, clear out or dissolve, heal and release the, um, the contribution of that, the, 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 um, the negative belief or the, um, the extreme emotion, the trauma that was left by whatever that was that happened, yeah. which is blocked. So anything that comes up in the process, again, this is what's cool about the preciseness only things that are going to come up are things that are directly blocking you in your being fully aligned with whatever we're working on. It's right. not going to pull up everything that's ever happened to you. Right. right. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It was. And there was a piece too, if I'm remembering correctly, um, 
about where you had like where I would repeat, yes. And there was yeah. something about my cells, right? Like my cells are now. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's like this um, piece that I took from uh, a, a method called logosynthesis, which is all about mm-hmm. energy retrieval. So it's about calling back into us all the energy that we've had tied up or bound up in this old like limiting belief or this old trauma or whatever. And then, and then rem- sending out to wherever it belongs any of the energy that was part and parcel of that event or that belief that really didn't belong to us. It never was ours to begin with, right? Yeah. Like Anna Brene Brown says about shame, it's never ours to begin with. It's always a hand-me-down, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So same idea. And yeah, there's one part of it that's like I remove it now from all of my cells my personal space, my field. Yeah. There, there was something about that piece of it as well for me that I was like, cause I, I'm such a head type and I'm always in my head. Just even just saying that just made it like, Oh my, like my body's rewiring, like my body's clearing yeah. out and like it, it yeah. felt like that. And I was, I just became more aware of, of my yeah. body in general. And even just saying that out loud, was like yeah. oh, it, it feels like they're just like realigning and they're cleaning themselves up and they're getting brews yeah. out and they're like oh we gotta spray the windows down and like you know clean totally. these pathways a little bit and yeah and it really you know so the whole thing was really about you know the was you know consistency and decision making and it was like right. it was it was <laughs> it's gonna sound stupid it was like a facial for my soul or for my like for my mind because this is how I feel about facials Chris I don't know how often you get a facial but like oh yeah every week with all that beard I'm like I I think at my best I go twice a year but I go Uh to uh I go to a friend of mine I will give her a shout out at mom glam on Instagram because she's the best um and she just works on my face for like an hour and a half and I leave there and it's like clean but it's 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 like a little sticky and it's like yeah. okay here we go and then and then it's you're looking in the mirror and you're like do I see anything do I see? and like three days later like 72 hours later you're just like oh, oh. oh right. it like it's amazing and it all kicks in it's like your skin it's all glowing and it it's like picked everything up mm-hmm. and reacts. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm 10 years younger, whatever, you know, it just feels glowy and beautiful. And I kind of felt like that with the subconscious heal and release. Cause you were like, how yeah. do you feel? And I was like, I feel good. Like there were things that felt good. And I had yeah. some moments, you know, where I cried and I really loved the, 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 the kind of like feeling that I got about like the cells rearranging themselves. And I love that we landed on some things mm. that felt really important and hit on things and brought things up. So I kind of left, like, I know, I know we just cleared a lot of blackheads. (laughs) I know we just, I know we just like firmed up and we like microderms some things. Right. So I, I felt, I felt like I feel cleaner. Yeah. But, but it was like, I think it was maybe like 10 days later where all of a sudden I was like, maybe a week to 10 days later where I was like, Chris, I've literally been more consistent and just like taking action without procrastinating or thinking about it so much or what do I do next or getting stuck on this whole thing. I was, I 
it was like it was like a path had cleared for me to move to take action right. on things in my yeah. business, in my personal life, whatever yeah. it was. And it stuck. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that tells me you were really poised and ready for this, for what I'm you were ready for it. Yeah. And it really, it's just, again, it just pulls out exactly what is blocking you energetically. What, what trauma stuff, what deep mind kind of limiting belief patterns and what trapped emotional energy in the body. That part borrows from a process called um, uh, emotion code, which they very borrowed very much heavily from traditional Chinese medicine and the way Mm. that whole system looks at imbalance and disease in the body is very much coordinating with different areas of the body, you know, meridian points and organs, whatnot. But so, you know, you clear that all out and it just gets you, the goal is alignment. It's basically an alignment process. There are many processes that do similar things. This is just one of them. And, um, you know, it's like my theory on affirmations is, is that, they're great in theory, but if we're just using an affirmation on something that most of us or none of us believes is possible, is safe, is okay, are we deserving right. of it? If we have all these limits and blocks that we might not even be aware of because mm. it's also conscious, then we can speak that affirmation 10 million times a day. It's probably not going to move the needle very much, but if we can identify and then clear and release what is blocking it, and we're fully aligned, then you got like a supercharged affirmation. It's just like continuously pouring clean water in every time you say it, because all of you is on board with it. No conflict, no resistance. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. So have you, so you kind of talked how it's kind of been to the next level. Are you, do you, how often do you feel like you use this with your clients. I still use it a good bit, not as much as I was when I was really first putting it together. I was yeah. real, you know, jazzed on it. I still yeah. am. But again, with the evolution of where therapy outside the box is just sort of taking me, I've come back yet again to one of my old favorite methods, internal family systems, IFS. Mm. And but I've come back to it now again, in an integrative way, in the way that I'm integrating so many different things. And what I'm doing is doing a lot of IFS, which is basically parts work. It's founded on the notion that we all have a self that is undamaged and eternal and infinite, you know, connected to the all. Um, And that we all have parts of us that are natural. We come in with them. They're either, you know, dormant or they get shuttled into, they have naturally positive qualities. All parts of us do positive intentions, but the slings and arrows of life, the early trauma, uh, childhood trauma forces many parts of us into polarized fixed roles where they're Mm -hmm. either carrying old pain wounds, what we call burdens in IFS or other parts that are thrust into protective roles. Um, a different levels of sort of protective parts. The idea of IFS is, is to create more internal harmony, more to unburden the parts of us that are carrying these heavy loads, eventually unburden our protectors from feeling like they have to protect the younger parts and protect the self. 
and earn trust in the self so that we can become more self-led, as we say in IFS, right? Mm. So what so what we mean by self is that we when we are calm and creative and curious and compassionate and clear-minded and courageous and connected and present and persistent and playful and so those types of qualities mm. that's self everything else in that in this model we consider apart so anyway in coming back to IFS because i came into more and more self and becoming more and more self led coming out of my whole sort of breakdown and awakening and this whole sort of emergence process um I'm now doing a lot of IFS, what I call transpersonal IFS. So I'm doing oh. IFS, but I'm inviting in to anyone that's open to it. I'm opening it up to the spiritual realm, to oh what I God. call the highest and holiest emissaries of the divine, you know, within the, the, the Christic impulse, the Christ consciousness spectrum, you know, which would also include a person's personal spirit guides, guardian or ministering angels, ancestors, crossed over loved ones as well as like helping spirits oh of the nature based and shamanic realms. We just invite it all in and then I can get a sense of like who is coming in, who's joining us. And oftentimes it's an oh ancestor God. or a loved one and they're just coming in to kind of hold space to support the healing. Or sometimes I could say that we're having what I would call like accidental mediumship or sort of unintended after death contacts where a loved one or someone's ancestor will come in to hold space and support the work and sometimes actively participate in the IFS work in this imaginal space that's maybe a little too much to try to go into here. But oftentimes they'll often let either the client or me know that they also want to get a message through. Right. So that's the sort of after death contact component mm. that is just sort of a bonus yeah. That if it's meant to be and my client is not fearful, they're open, they're respectful and allowing of whatever we may encounter, those those things can occur too. And it's 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 pretty cool. It adds a whole nother dimension to to the healing work. And yeah. that can even be that could even be ancestral and generational line healing, which is kind of a hot topic, interestingly, these days in the sort of yeah. trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Generational world. trauma for sure. Yeah. I just listened to a, uh, have, do you know the podcast Huberman lab? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's a neuroscientist at Stanford and yeah, he, mm -hmm. um, there was an episode in there about generational trauma. They can like, it's like in your genes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's passed totally. down. Scientifically. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> that is, that's, I got, I wish all, I hope that like in the future, all therapists are just this just beautiful blend of stuff. Like you have your traditional therapy and then you've got your like, yeah. you know, your like divine downloads. And then you, you, you've just done IFS for so long. Um, and for yeah. those who don't know, that stands for uh, internal family systems, correct? And the main mm -hmm. book yeah. about that is called No Bad Parts. That's the most recent, but um, IFS goes, it's been... It's been a thing for almost 40 years now, believe it or not. Okay. But because because the, the fundamental premise of it is what we call multiplicity or multiplicity of mind was a hard sell for a long, long time, for decades in the psychological community. This is like a whole separate podcast. Like part of me is like, <laughs> yeah, come back big. on. Give your, part yeah. of me is like, let's come back on. But 
say what you're going to yeah. say. And then maybe we do oh, like no, a second that, podcast. Only in like the last maybe 10 years has IFS really, really made its way into the collective consciousness now. Like yeah. it's really catching on. Mm-hmm. I discovered it in 2006 when I just mm. happened upon one of the first IFS books and it blew my mind. I knew like this yeah. is the shit. But like therapists often do with radically different approaches, you tend to go in and out of it. You step out the mm. box, you come back in, you kind of let it go. I did that for a long, long time. It wasn't until I went through all that I went through, which really the bottom line of what I experienced, that whole sort of breakdown and beginning of an awakening, awakening initiation process, however you want to think of it, is really, it, it, it showed me like, if I'm going to continue doing what I've been doing, you have to be fearless. You have to tr- completely trust. So there's the, you were making the connection between surrender and trust. And I was being asked, I was basically being shown, okay, we will help you. You're submitting, you will get the help, but the rest is up to you. You must be fearless. You mm. must go forth with all of who you are jump and trust that the net will appear like that's the ultimate faith uh test or trust fall of it was i had to be willing to to put myself out there with all my weird and woo woo that i always sort of kept neatly back in the closet and just trust that i would be supported come what may and and i am i mean i've never been busier i run a constant wait list that was never the case before so it's so awesome. I have no reason not to trust and have ultimate faith. You know, yeah. let's put it that way. <laughs> None. Oh, no, it's so cool. Yeah. The, um, I, my husband and I, I said, there's two books. He, he's always reading. And I was like, there's two books I'd love to read together this year. And one is No Bad Parts. Cool. I was like, I'd love if both of us read it. And so we could kind of add that to the way that we talk to each other yeah. and talk about things. Um, oh, Yeah. That, that's one of the coolest things. I'll just say this last thing about IFS is that it's yeah. gone from an obscure, controversial uh, therapy model to a life and spiritual practice in its own right, which I'm telling you, when I first discovered it, I knew that that was that potential. I knew this is different. This is really more than just a way to do therapy. And that's what it's become. It's just taken about 40 years. But but the whole idea of parts work is like in the lexicon now. A lot of people, I think, don't even know that that really comes from IFS. Mm. But um, but just that idea has finally seemed to caught on and become somewhat accepted and natural that that we all have multiple parts of ourselves, which is so intuitive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like any child, if you said, "Do you have a part of you that wants to eat cookies every night, and another part of you that?" <laughs> you maybe it's not a good idea of course yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah I think you can say that to any adult and they would say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yes there's absolutely yeah. part of me that wants to eat a shit yeah. ton of cookies every night but, but there's been a lot of conditioning culturally in the in the sort of unitary mind concept and let's not forget that in the 80s the the, the psychological uh, or the psychiatric establishment really demonized the idea of multiplicity when it created mm. multiple personality disorder, right? Mm. Which is now called DID, which is a whole nother thing, but really in my view and the view of many who are partial to this natural multiplicity of mind concept, 
you can look at all of that as just polarized parts and extreme roles. It's yeah. not a mental disorder. Yeah. It just, yeah, they're just separated too in really intense yeah. degree. Yeah. yeah. I feel like too, yeah. IFS, like I'm, I, I, I know enough about it to like to be dangerous, like whatever that, that <laughs> phrase. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's why I want to, to learn more about it. Cause what I know about it is wonderful. And also it's just, it's really freeing and it really just kind of gives a lot of permission and, mm-hmm. and in a, what am I trying to say? It, I think it really helps self-compassion as oh, well. Yeah. You know, when you can really just say yeah. there's this part of me. And then when you, when you do get to see it as a, part like you said it's not the whole it's not who you are it's not what you know makes you up you're not this person you know if you run around all pissed off and shooting off about something or something really gets to you or all of a sudden you're really jealous or you're really triggered by something it's not like oh that's that's just who you are you know there's there's this piece that's that's reacting to something and you can remember that you're whole outside of that you know Yourself and others, because then it can be easy to look look at uh, look at somebody else who's spouting off and ranting and raving. Yeah. And instead of just jumping to a judgment that they're a lunatic, it's easy to say, "Wow, that person has a really angry, fierce protector that's that's at the wheel right now." Mm. That person, that person right now in this moment of time has lost self access. Mm. They've lost their calm and their compassion and their yeah connectedness. Right. Yeah. We might need a separate podcast episode about this. <laughs> I've wanted to do one about it <laughs> for your game. Yeah. But I'm totally going to hit you up for that. Okay. Um, um, okay. I mean, do, is there, do you want to add on? Because what I would also, what I also want to hear, you know, before we end the podcast is just kind of who you work with, what your availability is. And if you're not available or if someone, you know, mm-hmm. if you only can work with local people, like what you would suggest other people maybe looking for if they want something right. kind of like yeah. this? I mean, I am open to the possibility of working with anyone that is aligned with kind of this stuff and where I'm at that, that has any basic understanding of it. Mm. There's a lot of information on my site, probably too much people tell me, <laughs> but I like putting it all out there now. And letting people make their own determination about whether they vibe with kind of how I think and what I feel and believe and what I'm doing. And that's mostly what I get now. Um, so uh, I can work with people locally or far and wide through telehealth. I, I can't really do everything that I do per se through telehealth mm-hmm. based on state to state regulation and whatnot. But um but I can do some things and do do many things with people far and wide as well. Um, and yeah, I do have a wait list, but the funny thing about it is, you know, sometimes when an opening comes up, I have to go through two, three, sometimes even more people before I even get a response Mm. because people change their mind or they found someone else or they can't even remember why they wanted to work with me to begin with while they're waiting, (laughs) whatever. So, so that's just to say it can go faster than it seems, yeah. right? Yeah. So people are always welcome to contact me and um, and hop on the list. And, and I, 
you know, no surprise, I trust divine timing on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find you online? And to be, it'll happen. Yeah. Online. Um, just, uh, therapy outside the box.com is my site and at therapy outside the box is my Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. Not, not on Facebook or anything else, but Instagram, I'm pretty active on there too. And I'm in Franklin. Yeah. So what do you, so I know, I know, yeah, I know we're trusting divine timing. What do you sense is kind of on your path going forward? Um, right now, more of the same, because I can honestly say, Liza, I'm, I'm living my best self. I'm living my best life. And awesome. I don't need anything more than what I have going on right now. The rest in terms of my personal, pure spiritual process of revolution, that is entirely up to my guides, my guidance and the divine. It's, I mean, believe me, I went through periods the first year or two at the onset of all all this stuff where I was really wanting to kind of steer it or really wanting to know or kind of direct or be in control of it. And I would just kept getting messages like, have faith, trust, just keep, have patience, let it unfold. Yeah. So I've reached a point where now I really barely struggle with that. I just implicitly trust that there's a process here. I'm not in charge of it and I don't need to control it. I just need to keep, again, going back to 2010, the end of that message from the divine feminine, just keep coming. Yeah. Keep showing up. So that's all I'm doing and the rest will be what it will be when it will be. Yeah. Okay, I have one more. This is like a beautifully like a beautiful wrap up point, and yet I have one more question. <laughs> so I'm going to ask one more question because okay. I started thinking about this. I have um, I have there's another photography client of mine who's going to be on um probably her episode will probably come out at the end of the summer, but uh-huh. she, but she's she's super cool. She's got um she kind of mixes spirituality and like like. Catholic saints and things like that. Um, and she works with people and she does, she does meditations where they can find their spirit guides and they call on spirit guides. And, and sometimes yeah. the, um, you know, sometimes the saints show up and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yep. thinking about thinking about her and how you were like, I have my, my spirit guides. I have not done spirit guide work yet. And I'm like, she has a meditation literally sitting in my email that I haven't that she just did for like the general public. And I'm like, I need immediately when I hang up from this, I feel like I need to, <laughs> like, I want to know my spirit guides. Um, so, right. So when you, when you kind of found your spirit guides, was that in, was that just in that process of surrendering or was there something specific where you kind of looked for them? No, I really didn't go looking. It, it was all in, in this personal process that it, it evolved over time. Although I'll say this, why not? There was one day, I don't know, two years ago, maybe one evening, actually, I usually don't do my sits in the evening. So it was unusual that I did that like after dinner one night, Mm. but I came in here, tapped in, did my kind of prayer ritual thing. And for whatever reason in that particular day, one by one, like my ministering or guardian angel energy, just like sat down in me. Mm. and told me his name and worked with me a little bit. And I was, again, very tearful at that. It was so profound. And then he kind of moved out. And then my main 
I, I feel we all have a main spirit guide from birth, like we all have a guardian or ministering angel from birth. And then depending on what we experience, traumas and difficulties, other guides can come in to kind of lend a hand. So I have a couple of guides. I think we all do. But in that sit, first it was is my guardian angel came in, identified himself by name. Then my main guide came in, identified herself by name. And then some weeks later, my second guide, who I understood came in, I think when I was 22, when I was going through some oh, pretty wow. rough stuff. Yeah, grieving and breakup and grieving. That was that first real, real clinical depressive episode. A, a guide came in to sort of support me through that time. So that guide came in and introduced herself. That's oh how gosh. it happened for me. In oh short. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. People, so in the work I'm, in the work I'm doing with people, mainly in that IFS, the transpersonal frame, yeah. oftentimes their guides and guardian angels are coming in. Mm. Only once in a while do I get a name, or sometimes mm. my client does. Mm-hmm. But I think we have an understanding that that's not really what's important, really. You know, the name and a, all that. Well, I have a question. I do have a question about yeah. this because I um. There's a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. It's mainly written for women and kind of how we tend to play small and things like that. Yeah. And she worked with a lot of, of corporate women and she would lead them through this meditation to find their inner mentor. And oh. their inner mentor is the, yourself in 20 years. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. So you go through this meditation and you meet your inner mentor. And at some point she says, ask her if she has a name, which you would assume oh. would be your own name. But right. so when I did this, I got a name that was not my name. Um, and then, so my question to you is if you're not already doing this or if you haven't, have you Googled the spiritual meaning of those names? I have not. So no. after I after mean, I got my name, I Googled it and it means defender I, of mankind. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You know, that might be akin to what in IFS we call an inner spirit guide or inner spirit helper. Interesting. Uh-huh. In other words, it's something that's not a part in the way that we mean that in IFS. Yeah. And sometimes in IFS, we encounter those where we think we're dealing and working with a part. But then when we get to the section where I might ask the client to say, ask this part how old it is. Mm. when it's not a part, we'll get an answer like ancient, yeah, timeless, mm. ageless. And mm. that's how I know, oh, this is probably an inner spirit help. Oh, I've chills. It sounds uh-huh. similar to that. Yeah. But, yes. Um, but no, I'm going to take your cue and, and, and yeah. uh, look up some names and meanings. Yeah. So yeah. what did that mean to you, that, that meaning of, of the name of that inner guy? Defender of mankind. That first I was like, well, shit, what am I supposed to do? Like, please, yeah, that's, that's really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Um, I mean, it, in, <laughs> in, in, I felt like in some ways it kind of affirmed some things that I felt about yeah. myself and ways that I kind of want to, the ways that I kind of want to bring healing through creativity and awareness and sharing people's stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there were certain things where I was like, okay, 
okay, I, you know, I don't know if it means I'm going to like lead a global army, which is kind of like the vision that it was a little bit. And I was like, oh God, I'm defending everyone behind me. Like, (laughs) right. Um, Right. But yeah, it was like, you know what, you know, you feel like, you know, I have this internal feeling that I want to help people on a grander scale than just one-to-one for sure. And on a, probably on a bigger scale than just like small groups, you know, which is yeah, one of the reasons awesome. that that I've got this podcast. And I really just want to, I just want to expose yeah. people to a lot of healing things. And I want to share yeah. what I've done and make it not scary and make it like you can yeah. heal. Like you can, you know, we can all do it. And, and, and one of my big purposes is for people to create a sense of permission and belonging um, yeah. in, inside of themselves and to feel like they belong. So totally. even for me, that's, and that's, you know, we often do teach what we need or teach what we want. Right. So even the more guests that I talk to, the more that I feel like, oh my gosh, these are, these are my people, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. I, so I, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I think some of that, the defender of mankind kind of yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I think so I think you're does. doing that. Yeah, well, I think you're doing that in your in your own particular way, and yeah. it's obviously just evolving for you because you've gotten out of the way, largely, right? And in your own way, I think you're surrendering to what you feel led to do. You obviously got into some inspiration at some point of I'm going to do a podcast, and yeah. you didn't get in your way, or if you did, you found your way out because you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it's interesting. Yes. Yes. And it feels too like you just saying getting out of your own way in the podcast a little bit too, because I, I think so many times we're just if we have something that we feel can help people, I feel like in the current landscape of things, the auto default is coach. I'm gonna be a coach. I'm gonna coach, I'm gonna coach, I'm gonna coach. And it's like, well, there's yeah. so many ways that we can help people. And there's so many, mm-hmm. and and I don't think every coach wants to be a coach, or have a mastermind, or have a little group. And so there were there were some things where I I was like, right. well, maybe I'll have a group, maybe I'll have a little group coaching program. And I I love the women in there, and I I can show up for them and yeah. you know do good stuff. But I didn't it like didn't give me life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, and it actually the being. The podcast, it feels kind of like a combo. It feels a little bit like I'm getting out of the way a little bit so that I can share with everyone. I also think it's dangerous to just be like, I'm the be all end all coach. You know, like a lot of coaches are just like, all you need is my system. All you need is mine. All you need is this. And so that's just kind of my philosophy a little bit, which is like, you know, just pull myself back, share my experience, but also be like, Look, find what totally. works for you because it's not exactly everyone's not for everyone, and that's right. You know, there you've is had your mentor for your yeah. yeah. I mean, you've had your yeah. mentor forever, which is amazing, you know. But you've also yeah. like tried other things, you know. Absolutely, so, yeah. More yeah. than more than one way to skin a cat, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I've never been a one size for all, you know. So, and in terms of just like you know psychological methods or spiritual concepts. I mean, I'm, you know, my joke is to say I'm, I've always been spiritually promiscuous. I, I, <laughs> I, take, what, I take what works and feels true and resonates with, 
me from different traditions, East and West. You know? Yes. You know? I, I guess I'm psychologically, psychologically promiscuous as well in terms of the things that I'm doing and feeling led to do and offer to people. You know? Yes. I love that. All right, Chris, <laughs> is there anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think that's probably enough for today. Yeah. I just want to thank you for the opportunity, the invite, and it was a great chat. Chris, thank you so much for being on. It was delightful to have you. You there listening to this episode, you freaking rock for making it all the way through. Seriously, an hour and a half in this day and age is no small feat. And I am immensely grateful for your ears and your time. If you want to leave a review, I've asked before, I'm going to ask again. That would be amazing. Also, if you want to say hi or tell me your thoughts, at Liza Hippler on Instagram. As always, create beautifully.